um, this evening. Can you hear me in the back? Um, I would like to offer a few reflections on uh, the theme protect, protecting oneself and protect, protecting others. Uh, there is a famous uh, teaching of the Buddha, the Siddhaka Sutta, a short one. And it says, The Blessed One addressed bhikkhus thus, Bhikkhus, once in the past, an acrobat set up his bamboo pole and addressed his apprentice, Meda Katalika, from, from now on only Meda, uh, thus, Come, dear Meda, climb the bamboo pole and stand on my shoulders. Having replied, Yes, teacher, the apprentice Meda climbed up the bamboo pole and stood on the teacher's shoulders. The acrobat then said to the apprentice Meda, You protect me, dear Meda, and I'll protect you. Thus, guarded by one another, we'll display our skills, collect our fee, and get down safely from the bamboo pole. When this was said, the apprentice Meda replied, That's not the way to do it, teacher. You protect yourself, teacher, and I'll protect myself. Thus, each self-guarded and self-protected will display our skills, collect our fee, and get down safely from the bamboo pole. That's the method there, the Blessed One said. It is just as the apprentice Meda said to the teacher, I will protect myself, because thus should the practice of mindfulness be practiced. Protecting oneself because one protects others. Protect, protecting others, one protects oneself. And how is it because that by protecting oneself, one protects others? By the pursuit, development, and cultivation of the four applications of mindfulness. It is in such a way that by protecting oneself, one protects others. And how is it because that by protecting others, one protects oneself? By patience, harmlessness, loving kindness, and sympathy. It is in such a way that by protecting others, one protects oneself. And now this is crucial um, um, final statement. I will protect myself because... Thus should the, should the practice of mindfulness be practiced. I will protect others because thus should the practice of mindfulness be done. Protecting oneself because one protects others. Protecting others, one protects oneself. So, uh, a work of love. You know, I will protect my, myself, I will protect others. This is the foundation of mindfulness meditation. Um, you know, in the, um, uh, in the teaching of the Buddha about loving kindness in the Metta Sutta, the Buddha uh, recommends to uh, cultivate towards 
all living beings the same attitude that a mother has towards her only child in danger. And, you know, sometimes the, the teachings of the Buddha are perceived or even presented as uh, uh, something austere and uh, distant, um, something concerned um, basically only with understanding and, uh, and wisdom. Now, they are concerned with understanding and wisdom, but they are not austere and distant. Um, you know, they, they, they are, as a matter of fact, there is a, a tender touch uh, kind of intertwined with the clarity and the depth of the teachings. Um, there is a, a recurrent emphasis on, on caring about oneself, and caring about others. Um, kind of uh, very firm and sober at the same time. And this is um, deeply connected with wisdom and, and understanding because uh, understanding without uh, love, without unconditional love, it's uh, an imbalanced understanding is incomplete understanding. Uh, full understanding includes uh, love. And this is stated uh, very clearly and uh, uh, in a, in a um, as I said, in a, in a firm and sober way again and again. And uh, I, I, I personally find, um, find it very touching that the uh, Buddha encourages us to take care of ourselves. Um, it sounds like uh, a wake-up coming from a true friend, a friend uh, who understands our needs better than we do. Now, in, in what sense I uh, should protect myself as the sutta goes? Um, why and uh, uh, what from should I protect myself? Now, basically, we do need protection from our minds. In the scriptures, the Buddha says that um, if the mind uh, is not uh, developed and cultivated, um, is an enemy. A mind which is not cultivated and developed uh, is not our 
ally. He's not our friend. Remember the other night we read from the Dhammapada? The mind is restless, flapping like a fish thrown, thrown on dry ground. It trembles all day. Not very reassuring. Um, fear, aversion, craving, confusion are a big part of our mind. And uh, the more we acknowledge this fact, the better. The more quietly we acknowledge this truth, the better. Because this means that we have a solid intuition about the two uh, first noble truths, suffering and the causes of suffering. Uh, so uh, protecting oneself is taking care of our suffering minds. Uh, first of all is Acknowledging is uh, seeing that our minds are suffering and that in our minds there are the causes of suffering. And from that uh, we can proceed. But if we don't have this uh, knowledge, this understanding, this intuition, then life uh, is much more difficult. Maybe this is why, traditionally, um, um, being in a retreat is, a considered, uh, is considered a good karma because uh, we can deepen um, this understanding, this fundamental understanding of suffering and its causes. Uh, in case, in case uh, you're having a bad time, remember that uh, this is considered good karma. <laughs> Don't spoil it. <laughs> um, and the Buddha also says this is possible you know, to take care of our minds to heal our minds. He says, literally, it is possible because if it weren't possible, I wouldn't have told you. You know, again, this is so direct, so intimate, and so caring, this kind of uh, um, uh, way of talking. Um, like, again, true friend, a wise friend, a kalyanamitta, a good friend, urging us, urging us, literally urging us to take care uh, of our minds, of our suffering, and to learn how to take care of our minds and of our suffering. Uh, Personally, my, my, my confidence in, uh, in the Buddha, um, I've seen that over the years, has very much to do with this way, uh, 
uh, of uh, addressing uh, monks and and uh, and students uh, very direct um, and uh, um, wise and direct and and loving you know uh, i think it, it, it's a um, um, what characterizes this attitude is a really a strong, caring attitude. If we, we which comes from from this kind of um, um, uh, recommendations and uh, and uh, suggestions, the Buddha describes himself uh, as a being not subject to delusion. He says, a being not subject to delusion has appeared in the world. For the welfare and happiness of many, out of compassion for the world, for the good, welfare and happiness of gods and humans. This is a very uh, important and solemn statement. Um, but it, for me, it would remain a little bit abstract. Um, and what, what um, um, strikes me are instead the, the, the ways in, in which the Buddha teaches and calls us to um, um, wake up and uh, take care of ourselves, protect ourselves. And how do we protect ourselves from our minds? We might say that we do it through the mind itself. There is a healthy side of the mind. You might call it intuitive awareness, sati sampajanya. And this healthy side of the mind uh, takes care of um, the um, um, suffering side of the mind. Sounds a little bit paradoxical, but it's... um, you know, the experiences tells us that this is the way um, um, things uh, function. Suffering, uh, the causes of suffering, and, uh, and then uh, the fourth noble truth is the path the path leading to the cessation of suffering. Now, the path is a tool, is a complex tool, which gets more and more refined to the extent that we use it. The more we use it, which means right understanding, right intention, ethics, love for the good, and meditation, the more we use it, and the more it gets refined, and the more it gets powerful, the problem is that we can be um, a little bit stingy about, you know, using using the path, and this is, doesn't go together with uh, another recommendation, very direct, uh, coming from the Buddha, when he says, um, you know, practice generously, abundantly, um, uh, not not in a, in a in a stingy way. It's, it's the opposite. Um, what 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 is there behind that uh, stinginess that sometimes we have? 
you know, maybe the uh, the good old the good old habitual escape from freedom has to, something to do with our um, um, sometimes um, stinginess in uh, using the path, using um, uh, you know, meditation is a, a one side of the path, and then there is the um, uh, ethics and uh, the understanding and the compassion. Fear, maybe, that uh, very justified fear that this is going to change our life, and um, uh, somewhere inside ourselves. There might be resistance to the idea of changing our lives. On the one hand, we do want change. We do want to change our life, and uh, on the other hand, we don't. It's a conflict, painful, you know. Another aspect of dukkha: uh, wanting and not wanting the same thing at the same time. Um, when we study the teachings, um, it is taught that um, penetration of uh, the causes of suffering means that we understand that the causes of suffering should be abandoned, should be uh, let go of. And again, we are encouraged by the Buddha to look and see again and again, it's literally that it is said again and again, how we create suffering so that we uh, can understand. By the seeing, what happens is that um, at times we uh, look and look and miss it. You know, we, we look and we don't see. We don't see that we are creating suffering, that we are creating unnecessary suffering. But when we start seeing it, really seeing it, then a, a, a quiet rebellion uh, arises. It's called nibida. And nibida uh, means becoming less and less hypnotized and seduced by um, um, our habits, um, our emotional and conceptual habits, um, our ways of creating suffering. Sometimes nibida is uh, um, is uh, translated as um, serene, serene disenchantment. Serene. That's crucial. You know, this, uh, um, this dance of likes and dislikes, you know, alternating all the time, Nibida is getting a little bit tired of this. 
of our identification with likes and dislikes, you know, all this fever, um, so we, what happens is that at one point we taste some peace and we don't forget it. Uh, very different from this constant identification with likes and dislikes. So, we are, we are learning now to protect ourselves and we understand how urgent the work is and why, and why, uh, and the reason why the Buddha put so much emphasis on, on it. Protecting oneself because one protects others. Why? Uh, one reason, of course, is that um, if we become uh, less greedy, uh, less angry, less envious, less perverse, you know, we are less dangerous. And uh, so this is the first form of protection uh, of others. But um, <laughs> there, are deeper, there are deeper reasons and it's, what happens is that through the contemplation of our mind, um, we've come to an understanding, uh, let's say a first-hand understanding of, um, of suffering and its causes. And um, this understanding, or the beginning of understanding of suffering and its causes, um, makes us closer to other people, uh, makes us less separate from other people. Um, in this sense, um, to the extent that we protect ourselves, that we take care of ourselves, we take care of other people, because we've seen, uh, uh, we've touched uh, uh, the suffering mind, and um, we understand that it's the same mind. So how much we are different? Because one uh, um, um, uh, very uh, firm um, concept that our ego has is that we are totally different uh, one from the other. But once we've, uh, uh, we've seen uh, the suffering mind, um, this idea of separation, of difference, um, becomes much less. So we feel closer. Um, we, f we, f we feel more connected and less separate. And this is a protection. Um,
And how is it, Bhikkhus, that by protecting others, one protects oneself? By patience, harmlessness, loving-kindness, and sympathy. This is what is called right intention. From right understanding of the suffering and the laws of suffering comes right intention. Instead of having intentions of craving and aversion, we have um, intentions of freedom, letting go of attachment and craving, and loving-kindness and compassion. The, the, the cultivation of right intention is crucial, uh, and it is an obvious protection of others, and comes from our practice. So from our practice comes protection of ourselves and protection of others. Patience, harmlessness, loving-kindness, sympathy are fruits of our practice, but these fruits are going to be tasted by ourselves and by others as well. You know, it's a, it's such a relief. This sequence: patience, harmlessness, loving kindness, and sympathy. It's touching. See, when um, when we. Um, reflect and uh, and study and understand um, what is meant by um, impermanence and non non self. Uh, we realize that uh, being mindful of the changing nature of things is is being mindful of a truth a truth of what is true a mindfulness of impermanence understanding of impermanence means to be more in life to be more with life and less in our heads um You know, since we tend to resist uh, the idea of uh, the experience, sorry, the experience of changingness and impermanence, we end up imagining uh, a solid and f- a fixed universe which exists only in our imagination. If we are mindful of the changing nature of things, if we become mindful of the law of impermanence, uh, life, the whole of life, appears much vaster and more mysterious than our concepts about it, our mental fabrications about it. 
So the, the uh, uh, experience of impermanence is a very alive experience. But we, we dread it. Uh, the, the, the sound itself is um, perceived as negative, impermanence. It's a fact. Uh, it's, ne- it's neither negative nor positive. It is a fact. Um, we tend we tend to um, understand impermanence as the ending of things. And therefore, you know, it becomes a depressing word. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not the right understanding of impermanence. Impermanence is life. It's life itself. It's constantly changing. It's the ending and the beginning and uh, duration and ending and beginning and duration, ending and beginning. And mindfulness of impermanence is being again, as I said, more into the middle of life instead of uh, you know, having concepts about life and reacting to those concepts and uh, you know, becoming afraid in, 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 uh, uh, in front of those concepts that we have created. We don't know. But we behave as we knew. You know, the, 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 there are uh, dogmas. Did you say dogma? <laughs> like death is the end of everything. It's dogma. It's a contemporary dogma, a pretty strong one. We don't know. We know something about the body, but we don't know anything about consciousness. But we have this concept. And, um, you know, it's, it has a, an incredible authority. It's an idol of our times. So the, we don't want to meditate on impermanence. We don't want to meditate on the end of everything. We're not crazy. We want to meditate about life, real life. Well, real life is impermanent. It's changing all the time. And this birth and death, death and birth and death, birth and death. And it's much deeper than what we uh, conceive of. It's much more, it's much more mysterious. Um, we have a hard time accepting the fact that life is much more mysterious than what we think it is. We we um, um, you know we <clears throat> we shrink the meaning of life. We want we want um, we want it to be a certain way. Uh, this is the you know this is the opposite of opening up, of letting go of concepts and reactions and habits, conceptual habits, emotional habits. To become more innocent.
So if, if we work and we practice you know, in the spirit that the Buddha teaches, you know, I protect myself, I protect others, you know, this is the spirit of uh, mindfulness practice. Um, what happens is that a certain ease sometimes comes and visits with us. You know, ease instead of relentless mental rumination, worry, anxiety. And, and then we realize that our confidence in the Dharma is much stronger than when we started practicing. Much stronger. Uh, we perceive the Dharma as the big protection. It is it's not the way uh, it's not the way we perceived it when we first met the Dharma. And we uh, uh, find uh, in our experience, what is, this, uh, what, is often, what is this often stressed in the scriptures that to the extent that we let go our uh, afflictions, to that, to that extent our confidence grows. Our confidence in the practice, in the Dharma, grows. And Dharma means support. In something which holds the the root dr, so we f- we feel held by the Dharma, and we feel protected by the Dharma. It's also it's commonly said in Sri Lanka, for instance, in other uh, Buddhist countries, um, if you protect the Dharma, the Dharma protects you. If you take care of the Dharma, the Dharma takes care of you. It's uh, something we can experience. Amen. Let's sit for a minute.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.